Well, um, I want to talk about faith in the covenant this morning. Amen. Imagine that. We're going to talk a little bit about covenant today. Can you imagine? But I want to talk about faith in the covenant. And the first part of my, source, uh, my sermon is, is a little bit of a downer, but just don't worry, we're going somewhere. Amen? I'm going to point out things to us that we all already know, okay? And let me kind of tell you where this came from. How many of you were at church last Sunday for Easter? Amen. We were all at church. We had a great Easter service. Amen. Had a great time. How many of you, when you left, tried to take a right on Wilcrest, but you noticed that there were police cars and police tape, and you couldn't go that way? Raise your hands. Amen. For those of us that leave that way. And so I didn't notice. It could have been a wreck. It could have been anything. But when I got home, got up the next day, and was reading the news, it turned out there was a murder that took place there. And that murder took place at the same time we were in here having Easter service last Sunday. And uh, uh, a family was at a convenience store. A man got out of the car, got into an altercation with some men at the convenience store. The men at the convenience store followed them up Wilcrest towards the church, rammed the car, got out with guns, started shooting indiscriminately into the vehicle, killed the pregnant woman, hit the two-year-old. The man survived un unharmed, and the people that shot them rode away happened while we were in here celebrating resurrection sunday 50 yards from us a murder took place at the exact same time and that's when the lord spoke so clearly to me that we we have gone beyond the threshold of natural things protecting us we can all carry guns we can all carry 50 guns. We can all barricade ourselves into our homes. We can build gates. We can build fences. We can build walls. We can do that. It is not enough to protect us. We have to have faith in our covenant. We're going to have to have faith in our covenant, and we're going to have to, as a body, exercise faith in our, con in our covenant every single day. Every day. It's now a matter of life and death that we apply the blood of Jesus to every area of our life, to our children, to our work. And it is, it is, it is more vital to me than ever before that this is why we are called spirit-filled believers because we have got to train ourselves to hear the voice of God. We have got to learn to push back our normal routines, and if we get a check in our spirit about going somewhere or doing something, we got to follow it. We have got to learn, just because we do the same routine over and over, if God stops, if you feel a check about something, when my kids leave the house, I stop and I listen just for a second. Do I have any check about what they're about to do or where they're going? Whether it's to the grocery store, to a friend's house, or out of town. Lord, do I have, is that, well, what do you mean a check? That little bit of a scratchy feeling down in my spirit. Like when I know that something's not 100% right. I'm listening. I'm like, okay, let's just, okay. Okay, okay. You know, we still pray over them and we release them. But what we have to understand is that first and foremost, God is a covenant-keeping God. Amen. And the blood of Jesus is one of the single most powerful weapons that God has given to the church as a believer. 
And that's the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, which we celebrated last Sunday at Resurrection Sunday. Amen? The blood of Jesus. It's what cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It dealt with the sin issue 100%. Amen? And when we apply the blood on purpose, amen, not just a song, but when I am purposeful, intentional, as Davey just said, I have to be intentional about applying the blood to every area of my life. Amen? Now, did God know that 2021 was coming? Yeah, he wrote about it 2,000 years ago. Amen? Go with me to 2 Timothy. My dad has preached on this a bunch before. I've preached on this before. But we're going to revisit it. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to read it out of two versions. The first one says in 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. Actually, it's 1 through 9, but we're going, to, we're going to start in verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Amen? Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Out of the Passions translation, it says, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will sink so low into degradation that it will be extremely difficult for the people of God. We're there. Would we all agree that we're there? Amen? We are living in that time period. Now, listen to me. The first part, I'm, I'm, we're gonna, we're gonna, we come out of this on top. We win. Does everybody already understand that? So I'm just painting a picture right now. I'm not doom and gloom and, you know, go buy food and, you know, bunker yourself in your house. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to live your life 100% the way that God created you to live it. And you need to be bold and you need to be strong. And the Bible says not to have any fear. So we're not to have any fear. But we do need to be aware. Amen? I need to be protected. I can't walk out of the outside just with a gun and think I'm protected. I'm not protected. That is, a, that is a false narrative. Because if you got one, they got seven. Amen? And you can have all the guns in the world, but guess what? You can only shoot one at a time. Unless you're... Amen? That word perilous, it's a word, uh, if I pronounce it right, kalapos is the word of the Greek for perilous. Kalapos means harsh, savage, difficult, dangerous, painful, fierce, grievous, hard to deal with. The word describes a society that is barren of virtue but abounding with vices. That word kaiaplos is the same word, or the same word perilous is the same word that describes the demoniac that Jesus delivered when he went into the Gadarene area. It's the same word. That was the people that he was talking about was that demoniac who was possessed by one spirit but had thousands that were constantly coming back and forth into his life. Amen? They called him Legion, Kalopos. That's perilous times. That's where we live. Last days. Pastor, everybody says last days. When did the last days start? It started at the day of Pentecost. 
It's called the church age. When the Bible says last days, that's what we're talking about. It's the time from Pentecost until the return of Jesus Christ at the rapture. It's the last days. Well, how do you know that? Because in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, it says, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Amen? We are living in what's called the church age. That's the last 2,000-year period before the return of Christ. This is the time of the church. This is the time uh, um, when the church, uh, it's when God is dealing with us, not after the rapture. Does that make sense? Yes. Amen. So, we know that we're in the last days, and we know that perilous times are here, and you know that I just described word perfectly the 6 o'clock news. Harsh, fierce, savage, hard to deal with. Amen? Have you noticed how crime and how murder, have you noticed just how cheap life is these days? Do you see how easily people lose their lives over disrespect and over an argument at a gas station? Nothing was stolen, nothing was hit, nothing was, there was nothing there. There was nothing there other than a disagreement. And because life is so cheap and we've become so reprobated in our thinking, it's easy to indiscriminately just shoot into a car. 22-year-old kid, Texas A&M student, on the freeway, got caught off, has a gun in the car, shoots into the car that cut him off, kills a guy for nothing because you got cut off in traffic. Folks, this is the world that we live in right now. Amen? Lasciviousness, where people just do what they want whenever they want because it's what they feel like doing. They have no mechanism to tell them no. This is why we have to have faith in our covenant because your faith in the blood of Jesus is stronger than their desire. You notice when the demoniac ran up on Jesus that he bowed in front of Jesus. That's the authority the church has to walk in. That when those things come at us, that we don't become a statistic, we become the changing force in the world. See, because that's the purpose of the church is to be the changing force in the world today. God did not send us here to become like the world. He sent us here to change the world. And the only way that we can do that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why we have faith in our covenant. When you stand up and you say, in the name of Jesus, there's not a bullet in the world that can hit you. Born-again, spirit-filled believers do not accidentally get killed by friendly fire in a neighborhood, laying in bed. And I will say this about the spirit-led life. Spirit-led people are always in the right place at the right time with the right amount for whatever they need. I'm always in the right place. A lot of times what happened, what happened last weekend when we talked about what happened on the quarter, you had two people. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Easter morning. Where should we have all been? In church. The right place at the right time. Amen? The right place at the right time. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 says, For men will be lovers of themselves. That's all you need to know. Amen? Are we there? 
Our men, lovers of themselves, we are there. Our whole society is predicated on people loving themselves. Every game show, every talk show, every talent show, it's about American Idol. It's about who's got the most talent. It's all about me, 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 me. Which athlete can be the biggest? Who's got the biggest deal? Who's the biggest star? Me, me, me. Can I give you a key to success? Does anybody feel like they want to start a business or anything? Is there anybody that's in your heart to start a business? Raise your hand. You want to start a business. Amen. Do something that helps people. And you will be the most successful people that ever lived. Some of the richest people that have ever lived had businesses that all they did was find out how to help other people. If we as the church will learn how to help people, that's where we become successful. That is New Testament evangelism. It's not standing on a street corner screaming at people's scriptures. It's how can I help you? I want to help you. When you, find out, when you find out that I'm there to help you, yeah, you're God. Tell me all about him. Tell me about this covenant God that, that makes you want to come down and just randomly help me who knows and, and I'm nobody. It's because God loves you. It's because he's a covenant-keeping God. Men will only look out for themselves. It's the exact opposite of James chapter 2, verse 8. James chapter 2, verse 8 says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to me. When I love me more than I love you, I will kill you to take what you have. Because I love me more than I love you. Now, if I love you more than I love me, then I'll give you everything that I have to help you. See the difference? See the difference? Because I love you, I want to be a blessing to you, and I want to give to you. Y'all blessed me last Sunday with my birthday. You blessed me. You gave to me. Not one of you said, happy birthday, Pastor Jack. Can you give me something? I had more fun watching your small children eat cupcakes than anything else that I watched last week. There's something about the joy of a two and three and four year old with double barrel cupcakes in each hand and not a parent in sight. I mean, they're here and they're here. And the funniest one is they would have one on a plate and because of the wax they would slip and they would just be walking that thing would just boop and it'd go right on the ground and they'd just pick it right back up and start eating on it, man. That was fun. That was fun. Men will want more. This is a, a good way to, when we say men lovers themselves, men will want more while holding on to what they have. We have to check ourselves with that. Amen? Am I, am I just trying to hold on to what I have? Do I always want more yet holding on to what I have? Because biblically, it's seed time and harvest. If I want to get ahead, if I want to grow, if I want to increase, how do I do it? I have to sow. If I'm always looking for harvest and I never sow, I'm, it's not scriptural. I have to sow. I have to give in order to receive. It's better to give to receive. How many of you would like to just randomly go be a blessing to somebody? I mean, be the one at Target when somebody walks up and say, hey, I'd like to buy everything that you just put in your basket. That's fun. Amen. 
Giving can be addictive, but one of the things that characterizes the end times is, is that people stop giving and it's all about taking. I'll never give you anything that I have and I'll continue to take from you until I have it all. And I don't really have a purpose for what I have now. Amen? Listen to me. This should be one of our characteristics as a believer. Giving. Amen? And I'm not saying just giving and offerings. I'm saying close to one another. If you got a car, if you have a house, whatever, we should be characterized by giving to one another. Amen? It should be a normal part of our process. We're not hoarders. We're givers. We should be a clearinghouse for God to send stuff. Stuff comes, stuff goes. Stuff comes, stuff goes. Amen? My parents, they're huge givers. Huge givers. They've been a blessing to my family. Can I just say this also? When you get blessed, don't question where it comes from. If, well, that's not God. That was your parents. What? <laughs> what, do you think they had to give? They gave. Come on. Don't question where it comes from. Just thank God that it came in. Amen? Just say thank you, Jesus. I don't care if it comes by a donkey. Whatever. Bring it to me. I want to be a blessing. So, that's the bad part. You ready for the good part? It's only faith in our covenant that's going to protect us, okay? So there's no fear, amen? Boys and girls, you go to school, whatever, there's no fear. Because guess what? The blood of Jesus is over you, and you're divinely protected while you're there. Amen? The blood of Jesus. Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. This is how we put faith in our covenant. It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And I never even knew this third part of the verse was there. And they did not love their lives to death. How many of you knew that that was part of that verse? I had no idea. And they did not love their lives. So guess what? We're starting a new series because there's no way we're going to get through all this this morning. Amen? So we will be doing Faith in the Covenant when I come back up in a couple of weeks after Brother Tracy is here and after Pastor. But I do want to just kind of set the foundation. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. God is a covenant-keeping God. If you'll remember, even in Genesis chapter 1, verse 21, Adam and Eve sinned. They went and found fig leaves. That kind of gives you a hint as to what the fruit was that they ate. Amen. When Adam and Eve fell, they sewed fig leaves together. I don't think if you were naked for the first time, you'd run around looking for an appropriate bush. You would grab wherever you were. Amen. So they crudely sewed these figs together. God comes. There had to be a shedding of blood to cover the sin of what they did. God sheds the blood potentially of a lamb, and he makes them two tunics and two suits. There had to be a shedding of blood to protect Adam and Eve from sin. Does everybody understand that? There has to be a shedding of blood. Blood covenant is in every culture. It goes back thousands and thousands of years. It has been abused. It is sometimes grotesque, and it is sometimes taken completely out of context, but the basis of it is right here in Genesis chapter 1. Does everybody understand that? There had to be a cutting of blood. There had to be blood shed to cover the sin. Amen? Exodus 12, 13, everybody remembers the story of when Moses is about to lead Israel out of Egypt, 
and the final uh, time that Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go, and Pharaoh hardens his heart, and he says, well, the, then the death angel's gonna come, and it's gonna take the firstborn out of every family. But God tells Moses and Joshua, take the blood and put it over the doorpost that night. Take the blood, apply the blood. This is the protective part of the blood that I'm talking about, amen? We're not to take blood and go put it physically on our homes. Your homeowners association would have a field day with you. How do we apply the blood of Jesus over the doorpost? We put it over the doorpost of our hearts. I plead the blood of Jesus every day over my wife, over my kids. Every day as a protection, I plead the blood. I do it intentionally. I do it on purpose. I'm pleading the blood. And not just pleading the blood just to plead it. It's because this is the blood of a covenant. And honestly, I do not feel adequate enough to teach on covenant as a white male born in the United States of America because we were not raised in covenant. People that came out of tribes, people that came out of different nationalities, there was a much deeper. It's why the American Indian hates us because we were covenant-breaking people when we came to this nation. The Indians would make a covenant with the people of the land and we would break it like there was no tomorrow because we didn't understand it. You broke covenant back in that day, you died. There were curses that came upon you and your family. It was grotesque. Does everybody remember when God cuts covenant with Abraham? He splits that animal right down the middle. They walk through it. They walk through it in a circular, in a circle, in an eight. That eight means infinity. They walked in a circular in that eight all through that blood. And the curse was, so let happen to me what happened to these animals if I ever break covenant. It was serious. Amen? And we come through, it's easy to lie to get what we want, amen? Politicians, it's so easy to lie. They're covered, that's why nobody believes any politician. It, we are more accustomed to them lying than telling the truth. Oh, you're just a politician. You're a covenant breaker. Guess who's the ultimate covenant breaker? Satan. He is the original covenant breaker. He loves to see God's children break covenant because he knows the judgment that comes upon them when they do it. That's why he hates marriage. If he can get a husband and wife to break covenant, he knows the hell he can bring into their lives because they broke covenant. He loves to get people out of the church they're supposed to be in because if he can get them out of covenant, they're wide open to his attacks. We gotta think about what we're saying and what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen. We have to think about what we're saying because it might not mean something to us, but it means something to God. Do you know that when Judas went to betray Jesus that night, that as Judas came upon him, Jesus looked at him and said, friend, capital F, covenant brother. Jesus never broke the covenant, Judas did. What happened to Judas when he broke the covenant? He died. If we would start looking in the Word of God through the eyes of covenant, it would make so much more sense to our American eyes and ears. 
because it's deeper than we've ever thought. This is a bloody book. It's a bloody book. And it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that we're all here today because of covenant. Amen? Can you give me two more minutes? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having having obtained eternal redemption. The shedding of his blood, Jesus' sacrifice, provided a permanent sacrifice and a permanent covenant bond between God and man. We all understand what happened last Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Amen? Jesus was resurrected, but when he went to heaven, he presented his own blood. You have to remember that when Adam and Eve sinned, that sin didn't just touch the earth, it touched all the way to heaven. And that's what kept us separated from God. So Jesus had to go and take his own blood and present it to the Father and wipe away all of that sin so that, guess what, you and I can go boldly into the throne of grace right now. What we did this morning, don't ever take it for granted because it was through the blood of Jesus that we get to worship the way that we do. It's through the blood of Jesus that I can go to the Father 24-7. It's through the blood of Jesus that I'm never alone. I'm never outnumbered. I always have more than enough. Why is that? It's because I have the blood of Jesus that went before me. Don't ever take for granted the assembling together of God's people. It's not always going to be like this. It's through the blood of Jesus. It's through covenant. How else are we going to like each other? Covenant. Because it's deeper than how I feel. Covenant is deeper than racism. If you look at people through the eyes of covenant, you'll never have a racist thought again. Because when you realize it's not about the color, it's about the blood. Everything changes. Now all of a sudden we all have value. Why? Covenant. Do you know the price that we were bought back for? The price of that blood that won us all back? It's priceless. It's precious. Amen? The blood of Jesus Christ. Now, as I said before, the devil is a covenant breaker by nature. Amen? If you'll even notice in in Dan uh, chapter 9, we even talk about the Antichrist. When the Antichrist comes, when the church is gone, he's going to set up a covenant for one week between Israel and the Arabs, and they're going to talk about building this temple in Israel. But at one week, he's going to break the covenant with them and set himself up as God and have all the sacrifices made to him. It is in his DNA to be a covenant breaker. Why is that? Because he knows the penalties that go along with it. Listen to me. The whole book of Revelation, we see these battles that take place between God and the devil and stuff. And the devil, he grabs all these countries with tanks and artillery and planes. Satan knows he can't beat God. We all understand that, right? We know that, right? But what he wants to do is inflict as much humanly pain on God's children as he can. He wants to kill and maim and murder as many of God's children because the way you hurt the father is you hurt his kids. It's not about Satan defeating God in some last battle. He knows there's not a weapon in the world that could touch heaven, but he wants to touch us. 
Amen. We have to recognize our covenant. Amen. We have to recognize our covenant. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm going to stop here, but I got two more great points. But we'll make them when we come back together. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I want to encourage us all, amen, if you don't make it a regular part of your practice, of your prayer time in the morning, I think every one of us, Psalm 91 and the 23rd Psalm need to be just lock and loaded, amen, and not just recite them, open your Bible up and look at the page and read the words out loud where you can hear them and apply those scriptures over us, over our families, over our children, over our church, amen. We don't ever like a service to end without offering. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, Jesus wants to be in covenant with you. Well, what's that mean, Pastor? That means he takes all your weakness, your pain, your loss, your lack, and he exchanges it for his, all his goodness, his mercy, his abundance, and all of his super health. Sounds like a good trade, doesn't it? Kind of like that something for nothing. Jesus wants to make a something for nothing trade with you this morning. He wants to take away all the curse and give you all the blessing. But he's such a gentleman, he just simply says that you'll have to just confess me. If you'll ask me to come and live in your heart, then I will. I'm a gentleman. I will not move in where I'm not asked to move in. So all you have to do this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed is just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Deliver me from the curse. Heal my body. Renew my mind. Lead me on the path of discipleship and holiness. In Jesus' name. That's it. So simple. If you're online and you've prayed that prayer for the first time, email us here at the church or call us. We'd love to be a part of your discipleship. We're a discipleship church, amen? That is what our, one of our main callings is, is discipling people in the things of God, amen?